welcome to episode 41 of George's Random Astronomical Object. Every episode, I run a random number generator to select random astronomical coordinates in the sky, and I then search for an astronomical object near those coordinates and talk about what makes the object so interesting to astronomers. As a special note, this episode is also going to be on the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. If you like astronomy podcasts, I recommend listening to it. If you don't like astronomy podcasts, then I don't know why you're here. Anyway, let's now run the random number generator. The coordinates for this episode are 0 hours, 37 minutes, 16.0 seconds right ascension, and negative 13 degrees, 42 minutes, 59 seconds declination. These coordinates point to an object called BOBN1. It's not clear how to pronounce this name. Bobbin 1? Bobin 1? Bobon 1? I'll call it BOBN 1. This object is a planetary nebula in the constellation Cetus, which is a constellation named after a mythological whale or sea monster because when you look at the constellation, the stars don't look anything like a whale or sea monster. Just to review, a planetary nebula like BOBM1 has nothing to do with planets. Instead, a planetary nebula is the interstellar cloud of gas that forms when a star about the size of the sun dies. Stars much larger than the sun explode to supernovae, but most other stars simply blow away their outer gas layers over a time period of thousands of years. Quite a few of these look like bubbles of gas, and that might be an accurate description for the appearance of BOBM1, although the best images of this object are extremely blurry. BOBM1 was named after Geo Boschar and H.E. Bond, who discovered the planetary nebula in observations made in 1976. The BO stands for Boschar and the BN stands for Bond, although I think they should have used BO for Bond, which would make this nebula's name. Bobo one. Anyway, they were originally trying to measure the spectra for various stars and mistook BOBM1 for a star. The object was identified as a planetary nebula by the fact that its spectrum did not look like a continuous rainbow of colors as would be expected for a star, but instead looked like a series of colors emitted at very specific wavelengths that appear as a collection of bright lines in the spectrum, which is what is expected for planetary nebulae in general. Our galaxy contains over a thousand planetary nebulae, but BOBM1 has the distinction of being one of the very few planetary nebulae associated with the halo of our galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is a spiral galaxy, and when most people think of the structure of a spiral galaxy, they think of the disk, which is the part that contains the spiral arms, and the sphere-like bulge of stars at the center of the disk. However, the Milky Way galaxy and other spiral galaxies also have a large spherical halo. The halo is where you would find most of the dark matter in the spiral galaxy, and although it contains all of the globular clusters as well as a few other random stars, it looks mostly dark. 
When astronomers find stars that they can say are associated with the Milky Way's halo, they tend to get excited. So finding a planetary nebula in the halo makes astronomers really excited. At the time it was discovered, BOBM1 was only the third planetary nebula ever found in the halo. And although a few more halo planetary nebulae have been found since, they are still quite rare. Because it's in the halo, BOBM1 is located very far from Earth. Some of the distance measurements range from about 54,000 to 95,000 light years, or 16.5 to 29 kiloparsecs, which is comparable to the diameter of the Milky Way's disk. The stars in the halo, including the stars that have formed planetary nebulae, could come from a couple of different places. Some are randomly ejected from the disk, while others are from smaller galaxies that have fallen into the Milky Way. In the case of BOBM1, it appears to be one of four planetary nebulae associated with an object called the Sagittarius Dwarf Spheroidal Galaxy. As indicated by the name, this is a dwarf galaxy with a spherical shape that appears in the constellation Sagittarius as seen from Earth, and it is in orbit around the Milky Way. If you look on the map of constellations in the sky, you will see that Sagittarius looks more like a teapot than the archer it's supposed to depict, and you will see that Sagittarius is nowhere near the constellation Cetus, where BOBM1 is located. However, even though the center of this dwarf galaxy is in Sagittarius, it is in the process of being shredded by the gravitational forces of the Milky Way, and a stream of stars from the dwarf galaxy can be found in the halo encircling the disk of our galaxy. BOBM1 is in the part of the stream that passes through the constellation Cetus. What makes halo stars, including halo stars that come from dwarf galaxies, particularly interesting is that they are much older than the stars found in the disk of the Milky Way. This means that the stars formed when the universe was much younger and contained far fewer of the elements heavier than hydrogen and helium, which include things that most other people would think of as light, like carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen, as well as elements that everyone agrees are heavy, like iron. So, in general, if astronomers want to understand what stars were like in the early universe, they might spend time looking at halo stars. Seeing a planetary nebula that formed from a very old star like BOBM1 is very interesting because it is potentially an example of how these heavier elements were created when the universe was much younger and stars had far fewer heavy elements to begin with. BOBM1 contains a lot of elements such as fluorine, rubidium, krypton, xenon, and barium that were created in the fusion process in which the nuclei of the elements get larger by slowly capturing neutrons over time with slightly less than half of the captured neutrons forming protons through radioactive decay processes after they get captured. This fusion process would have taken place before the planetary nebula formed, but the nebula itself represents the stage where these elements get dispersed into the interstellar medium and where they are easy to detect from Earth. Interestingly, the large amounts of fluorine in BOBM1, along with large amounts of carbon and nitrogen, imply that the planetary nebula formed from a binary star system. One star would have been about 50% more massive than the Sun, and the other would have been slightly smaller than the Sun. The larger star would have transformed into a red giant first, and when it did this, it would have become large enough to swallow the smaller star, leading to the two stars merging and also leading to the production of extra fluorine in particular, but also extra carbon and nitrogen. And all of this would have happened before the object finally became a planetary nebula. Presumably, 
The remnant from the planetary nebula is the core of the merged stars, which will have become a white dwarf consisting of carbon and oxygen that cannot be fused into heavier elements because the star is not large enough to trigger fusion. However, the planetary nebula is so far away that this white dwarf would be very difficult to see. And that's my review of what makes BOBM1 interesting to astronomers. The location on the Earth's surface corresponding to the location of BOBM1 in the sky is about 350 kilometers northwest of Mosamedes, Angola in the Atlantic Ocean. Mosamedes was originally named this when it was established by Portuguese colonists, but it was called Namib from 1985 to 2016 before changing its name back as indicated by most references about this city on the internet. However, as of when I am recording this podcast in February 2021, Google Maps has it listed as Namib. Either Google needs to update their maps, or the city needs to change its name back. The website for this podcast is www.randomastronomicalobject.com. You can visit the website to download episodes of the show, read information about the astronomical objects, view images of those astronomical objects, look up additional reference information, and send me random feedback. You can also find this podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast, you can go to cosmoquest.org slash x slash 365 Days of Astronomy to see the episode list and find transcripts for the shows. The audio was recorded and edited by George Bendo. The music is immersion by Sasha Endy at www.sasha-endy.de, which is distributed by filmmusic.io under CC 4.0 attribution license. The sound effects are from the Freesound Project at www.freesound.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>